this is the next talk in our uh, series, which seems to have two titles. Um, I've gone with one of them, Holiness and Hope in a Hostile World, but I think we've also got Holy Habits in a Hostile World. Oh, before I forget, um, by the way, we made a small error here. It's verse 105, lest we lead anyone astray, uh, not just verse 5, that, um, that memory verse. Yeah, so we're at the next one in this uh, series, and this is this time based on the um, Be Still book, which um, is available for everyone, and the theme is scripture. Um, I want to thank uh, Paul and Anthea and the team for uh, making this book available to us. Um, there are still some available out there. In fact, there's three copies, I think. Um, if you've not got it, I do thoroughly recommend it. Um, and I'm not just saying that because it's the kind of the thing to do, you know, to affirm the leadership team. And, you know, that's always good to do. But... I just want to say as I'm reading it, and particularly this week as I've been preparing this talk and reading the, the chapter on scripture, it has affected me and it, it is changing. Uh, it has changed what I'm doing. And uh, so I just want to show you my Bible. I'm actually using a Bible with a, with, with a highlighter. For those of you who read the chapter, uh, not that it's the first time I've used a highlighter in the Bible, it isn't, but... If you've read the chapter, you'll know what I mean. If you haven't read the chapter or haven't got the book, I do recommend that you get it. It is an excellent book. And I was given this title um, of scripture. I was, you know, this was my sort of allotted week and uh, this was the title I was given. And when I first got it, I thought, oh, good, you know, scripture, that's fine. I'm kind of comfortable talking about that. That's, that's fine. That's, that's stuff I've done before. I've taught on that before in various contexts. Um, so I sort of began to go down this track of, you know, would I talk about how we study the Bible and uh, think about things like exegesis and hermeneutics. Uh, second one, not being a character from the Munsters, for those of you with a, with a long memory. Um, I didn't want to, as Keith said um, a couple of weeks ago when he spoke, I didn't want to just go through the chapter because you've all read it. Or if you haven't, you're going to, uh, and that would be a bit pointless. Although I did want to sort of visit some of the things that Brian Heasley brings up in the chapter. So, so you know, did, did we want to sort of look at terms like this that, that kind of look a bit scary, but you do come across them if you start to study the Bible. So should we, should we break that down at all? Brian in the chapter talks about how using commentaries can help us. Uh, in, in looking at passages of the Bible and, and these words are, are all to do with what those people who've written the commentaries have done uh, and my knowledge isn't perfect about this but when I was first introduced to these terms it was explained to me like this so please forgive me if this is erroneous but this is what I was told um, the exegesis is where we actually look at what the passage says uh, what does it actually? What do those words actually mean? And the commentaries can be really helpful for that. And there are other Bible study tools you can use um, available online. And if you want to know anything about any of that, please come and talk to me about it afterwards. And it can be really helpful. I can. I found it to be really enlightening sometimes to see. Okay, what does this word actually mean? Because you you understand. I hope all of us. And if you don't. Um, that's fine, but uh, the Bible obviously wasn't written in English. 
It was written in various ancient languages, so it's sometimes helpful to look at what those words actually mean. What we've got are translations, and all translations, as any linguist will tell you, are all translations are actually interpretations, you know, so to make sense of it. So it's sometimes helpful to actually look what does it actually say. And then there's this word hermeneutics, which takes that and says, well, what does that mean? Uh, what did it mean to the people in the original context to whom it was written? What did it mean in their historical context? What did it mean in their cultural context? Sometimes that's helpful to know. And then to take that and say, well, what does that mean then to us? And one example of that, which I, I heard, um, which um, I, I found really quite helpful, in, in Deuteronomy, there's a, a verse about um, making sure that around your roof there is a, a guardrail so people don't fall off and, and, and die. And, of course, you know, that would be quite a sensible thing to do if any of you have got flat roofs on your house that people go out onto. But the reality is, of course, that isn't our cultural context generally. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what principle then is that teaching us? Any ideas? Make sure everyone's safe. And it, I mean, it can mean all sorts of things. If you live in a snowy area, it could mean making sure you sweep your path so people don't slip on the ice. Or it can mean all sorts of things. But there's a principle there that has a cultural context and then we can apply it to ourselves. So um, that's exegesis and hermeneutics and I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, instead, I'm going to talk about something which has been guided by... Uh, being in one of the uh, prayer meetings, Zoom meetings, uh, this past week. And again, I really want to recommend those meetings to you. You don't have to be there every morning. I'm not. But I have found it really, really helpful in cultivating uh, a new, a renewed holy habit. And I have felt God speak to me. And it's been good to be able to pray and affirm with others in their prayers. And so again, I want to thank um, Keith, particularly, and the leadership team in initiating those meetings and all those who are leading those. And I kind of want to return the compliment a little bit from um, what Keith said when he stood here a couple of weeks ago, for those of you that may have heard that. You know, um, one of the things that has come up in the prayer meetings is the whole theme of sowing and reaping and, and how uh, we can, I think, sometimes lose track of the, of the things that have, we have sown in faith. And it's good to revisit those and to be praying that those things that we sow will come to harvest. You know, as part of my what's been uh, going on in my life reading the, the chapter in the Be Still book. I'm, I'm reading Genesis at the moment because that's where I've started again. And uh, there's a, a, a principle there, right, really clearly in the early chapters of Genesis that God has set things up that things reproduce. <laughs> that as seeds are there, they reproduce and grow and there's a harvest. And there's things we've sown, I think we could be praying for the harvest for. And one good thing about getting a bit older, 
is that you have the opportunity sometimes to see some of the things you've sown um, come to harvest. Even if you feel it's only been a really weak and pathetic bit of sowing that you've done, which is how I often feel. And uh, God brings a much bigger harvest than we could ever imagine. Keith, you're part of that for me. As... um, I, I sowed in, and Lina and I sowed in, in great weakness in, in the youth work many, many years ago. And it's fantastic, Keith, to see you to now be the, I'm not going to say young man, I'm afraid, mate. The man of God. <laughs> the man of God that you are. Even though you are eating a lollipop while I'm speaking, but there we go. <laughs> uh, and and it's, it, it's fantastically encouraging see that. So anyway, so back to the prayer meeting last week. Jill Sanderman, where are you? Wave to me. Jill brought a picture that she um, described a picture she felt God had given to her and it was the picture of a telescope and she'd asked God what he meant by that and Jill said she felt it was speaking to her about focus and I listened to that and I said yeah, that's, that's really good. Telescopes are to do with focus um, and then I had some other thoughts that it wasn't just to do with focus, but it was also to do with, you know, what do we use a telescope for? A telescope isn't a microscope. A telescope is for looking at things further away, beyond ourselves. And it occurred to me as I was then mixing that all up with thoughts about preparing this talk that we can see, well, that's interesting. We've had that already, sorry, it's been, someone's, someone's ahead of me and I've got, my back to, I've got my back to it, so there we go, the reveal is spoiled, but there we go. So we can look at scripture as a telescope, and just because that slide is going to disappear, um, I wonder, Dave, could you go and get what you brought in earlier, um, and thanks to Jill uh, for this, but this is just going to be a little bit of a visual aid as we go on through. It, it just occurred to me that scripture is a telescope, or it can be a telescope to us, particularly if we're thinking about using it devotionally. Thanks, Dave, and thanks, Jill, for bringing it to me, because I, I contacted Jill afterwards and said, ah, you know, on Zoom you see what's in the backgrounds of people's houses, and I looked at some of the things in the background in Jill's house, and I thought, yeah, they can have a telescope. <laughs> But actually, they've given away their, their main telescope. Uh, but they have got still this one, which is apparently a bird scope, technically. And it's even got pictures of birds on it. But it's near enough to a telescope for me. It's still something you use to see things, to bring things into focus that are a distance away, that are beyond ourselves. And that's what Scripture can do. So I want to focus on Scripture as a telescope this morning and how, as we use it devotionally, it can be those things. It's not a complicated talk. It's very simple. But at the end of it, I actually want us to do something practical. That's a warning to you. So yes, first of all, how does scripture help us to see things with a different perspective, looking beyond ourselves? Well, with scripture, we can look back. Scripture can help us to look back. And of course, Scripture does that within itself over and over and over again. 
the writers look back to what God has done before. And as a song, I nearly asked um, Tina to sing it, but there's a song we, we sing sometimes which talks about, it says, um, we've seen you move mountains and I believe we'll see you do it again. I believe I'll see you do it again. It can be encouraging to look back on what God has done before in order to encourage us now in our faith. And, and there's you know, so many examples. Here's just a few. Psalm 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. It happens a lot in the Psalms, particularly when David or whoever is writing that particular Psalm is having a tough time and they say, yeah, okay, it's tough now, but I will look back at what you've, got, you've done before. Scripture can be really helpful for us in, in doing that. Um, Psalm 136, which we're not going to read together because it's very, very long. Actually, it's not that long, but Psalm 136, which we just heard the beginning of at the beginning of the meeting. The psalmist goes through history, really right from creation, and takes it through various events in the history of the nation that that person came from, the nation of Israel, and says, looking back through all of these things, God is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness endures forever. God is good and full of undying, loving kindness. It comes up again and again and again, as Linus said at the beginning of the meeting, as a refrain. But it's looking back and saying, we've seen God work in all these ways. And this is where a bit of hermeneutics comes in handy, because we aren't that nation. And once we get beyond creation, it's more difficult for us to identify with some of the events described in the Psalms. But we can do that for ourselves. We can look back in our own lives, in our own history, and say, yeah, I remember that, Lord. You, you did that. You are good in your faithfulness and yours forever. I remember you did that. You are good in your faithfulness and yours forever. You did that. You are good in your faithfulness and yours forever. We can use that psalm as a bit of a model as we look back. We look back. Scripture helps us to look forward. Now, when I was a teenager, it was very popular, various films I remember seeing, various contexts where people were very confidently had time charts of everything that was going to happen in the future. Um, you know, these end time time charts, and this is going to happen then, and this is going to happen then, and this is going to happen then, which I sort of understand why they're doing it really, but to sort of kind of... I think, tend to ignore that Jesus said of that, no one knows the day or the hour. And... But nevertheless, there is a truth there that we have got a future. We are a people with a hope. Ephesians 1, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. There's lots of darkness. And sometimes when we come to the Lord, when we come to prayer, we can feel a bit overwhelmed, can't we? I can. Paul writes to the Ephesians, I pray your hearts will be flooded with light 
so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. It is a hope for now, but it's a hope for the future as well. The scripture we can look forward in the letter to the Thessalonians that we're reading at the moment, and I'm going to be careful because in my introductory talk, I, I kind of stole a little bit of the next talk, and I don't want to steal a little bit of the next talk again, but in um, chapter 4, <laughs> it does say, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, why did Paul write that? in a letter to the church. Was he wanting to set out an end-time theology? Maybe not. He wrote it to encourage them, because this was a church that was raising questions. There's people dying, and what's going on? And they were facing difficulties and persecution. And Paul writes them these things. He says, encourage one another with these words. We have a hope. There is a future. Scripture, we can look beyond the now. And of course, verses that, this is happening again, always make me cry. Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every time. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. There is going to be a reality, an age to come when the kingdom of God will be most perfectly revealed. And all those things that break our heart, when we see them breaking the hearts of others, will be no more. It's pretty good, isn't it? Scripture helps us look forward. Thirdly, Scripture helps us look up. I guess most famously, telescopes are used for looking up to the skies. And I know God isn't literally up there, as we understand it anyway, But sometimes it can be helpful to actually look up, to raise our eyes from our feet. Because he's looking after our feet, because there's a lamp there for our feet. We can raise our eyes and look beyond ourselves. I think one of the things that's fascinating, I'm not a great stargazer, but with light pollution it's difficult in this country anyway, in in a lot of places. But having had the privilege of being in, in some places, like in a village in Africa, where you can actually see the whole panoply of, of, of stars in the sky, it does give you a bit of a sense of infinity. It does help you to look beyond yourself. Psalm 8, isn't it? When I look at the heavens, the work of your hands, the moon, the stars that you have ordained. What is man? <laughs> and then he encourages himself and says, yeah, well, even, you know, even though I feel so small, you've actually chosen to... Make me more than that. But as we look up, 
we get that sense of infinity beyond ourselves. And it can help us to think about the God who is bigger than all that we see. Psalm 121, I look up to the mountains. Now, in the old translations, it says, from whence cometh my help? And it's a bit like, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? People think it's, it's Juliet saying, where are you? And it, <laughs> Romeo, and actually it means, why is your name Romeo? <laughs> and from whence cometh my help, for those who are familiar with the old version, does sound a little bit like it's saying, my help comes from the mountains. It's not saying that. It's asking the question, well, look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No. <laughs> my help comes from beyond the mountains. From the Lord who made heaven and earth. So scripture can help us look up. I think this verse, these verses are so helpful for us right now. Psalm 2, the kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord, against his anointed one. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Now, I'm not saying that we just shut our ears and our eyes to the realities of situations around us. But it is sometimes helpful to look up beyond them and see the God who isn't intimidated by a threat of nuclear war, isn't intimidated by political intrigue. In fact, it's all so small to him. And that's the God that we serve. And that has said to us, you are my children. As we were singing earlier. So we look back, we look forward, we look up. And fourthly, yes, I have a fourth point. This is going to shock some of you. Scripture can help us to look out. And of course, this is where scripture will challenge us. And it's good to be challenged by scripture. With passages like this one from Isaiah 58. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Don't hide from relatives who need your help. Oh. Isaiah, you know, it's really important verses for us when we're thinking about using scripture devotionally because it's saying, yeah, in your devotions, in reflecting and being, you know, we can end up looking inward, which isn't a bad thing in itself, but let's not forget to look out at those around us and their needs. And of course, most famously, John 3.16, God loves the world. So what does that mean for us? Let's be reminded of this in our prayers and be provoked by this in how we open ourselves to be the answer to those prayers. And finally, fifthly, unheard of for Andy Reid. Do we look in? Well, I just said that I'm not focusing this morning on Scripture is a microscope. Scripture can be a microscope. Looking into ourselves. Our innermost being. But here I'm really 
I didn't quite know how to encapture it. So I've said look in, but I'm really saying having looked back and forward and up and out, let's look at ourselves with a new perspective. Almost as if we are looking at ourselves from, from a distance, but okay, in the light of all of that, what does that look like? Do you understand what I mean? And then come to the Lord with our issues from that place of understanding. So scripture is telescope, enabling us to look back at all God has done and be encouraged by that. To look forward to our hope in him. To look up at his majesty and glory and splendour. That he is king. He is the Lord of lords. He doesn't, I believe, control every individual thing. That's a whole other talk, but he is in control. <laughs> and then from that place to look at our issues. So I would like us to do something for the next 10 minutes. I have a passage here, but we also have it on bits of paper. And Paul, do you think you could, we've got one of these for everybody, and this is something I'd like us to do together. Um, and uh, whilst we're doing it, we had a meeting a couple of years ago, Pete Gregg came to speak to us as a church, and I happened to be leading the worship that evening, and it reached this sort of point, and Pete said, Andy is now going to come uh, and, and play his guitar and play something deep and meaningful. Um, which is what I'm going to ask Kerry to do. <laughs> so Kerry, come and play something deep and meaningful for us while we look at this passage. And all I want you to do for the next 10 minutes is to read through this passage and to read it in the light of those five things we've talked about, particularly the first four. What does it say to you looking back? What does this passage say about looking back? What does this passage say about our hope looking forward? What does this passage say about looking out around us? What does this passage say that encourages us to look up? To the Lord of Lords. The God of the heavens, who made heaven and earth. And that might speak to us individually as well. And we're going to do this for 10 minutes. And then at the end of that, I do want to give some time to see if there's anything anyone wants to share. But I'm going to be quiet now. We're going to give this time, we're going to give this space. Father, would you speak to us through your word? In Jesus' name, amen.